It's the Dogcast, episode number 490. Spring Ball is here, and also the Athens Police Force. Alright, dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode number 490. Me and Jamie are back in the bunker 60 feet underneath the surface of Sanford Stadium turf. I guess soon to be called, if people, some people have their way, the Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium turf. Uh, welcome back to the bunker, Jamie. It's good to be back, right? Man, it's good to be back. It's, it's great to be down here knocking off some cobwebs, getting ready for spring. I tell you, spring practice underway. We've got lots of news from practice, guys. We've got some news. Uh, oh, we've got, I don't know, police blotter. We've got news about, I don't know, uh, offense, a little defense, offensive line, offensive coordinator. And, guys, stay tuned at the end. I know some of you are really interested. We do have some information about Marcus Davis and his family. Damn good dog. Curb stomp for life. We'll bring that information to you guys at the end of the show, so stay tuned. But up first, Jamie, let's talk about offense, and let's talk about this team. And it all starts with the most important person on the field, Sam Pittman. Absolutely (laughs) the most important person, at least on the sidelines, that's for sure. For sure. It gets no more important than Sam. So, Sam Pittman, are you in the same camp? Are you with me on the the drive to make Sam Pittman the highest-paid assistant on Georgia's staff? How couldn't I be? I mean, let's look at what he's done, his body of work. I mean, it's like no other assistant coordinator, position coach in the country. He has done more. And in three years, then I've ever then maybe someone in nearly a lifetime of coaching at a school. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, we are so deep and so talented and so big on offensive line. This whole Georgia team, our whole season starts with the offensive line. I mean, you've got you got the the devastating Andrew Thomas. Hand over your heart when you say Andrew Thomas's name. But how about Solomon Kinley and Cade Mays and Ben Cleveland and, dude, Trey Hill. And then out of nowhere, well, not really out of nowhere, you called this last year, Jamari Salyer is meteoric in how fast he's coming on. Oh, he, he's coming on quick. And he would have came on quick like this last year. He just enrolled a little, little later than these guys. He wasn't an early enrollee. He came in the summer instead of the winter. And they just they were already lapped him. I mean, they were already familiar with what Pittman was doing. So right. he sat back like a surgeon and took it all in. And now he's going to make precise incisions until he lands wherever it is he wants to <laughs> land. Now, I, I, I always thought he was going to land at guard. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. Ten days ago, 
Kirby Smart's in a press conference saying, you know, well, is he going to be right guard? Is he going to be left guard? You know, I don't think he's got the stuff to be a tackle, but definitely he might be a guard. And then here we are, 10 days later, where's he playing now, Jamie? I think he's I think he's repping with the twos at right tackle behind Mr. Wilson. And, and I hear he's doing a fantastic job. No kidding. No kidding. He, right. In 10 days, he's gone from, I don't think he can play tackle, to he's absolutely playing tackle. And you got Clay Webb out there, another early enrollee working hard, man. Salyer and Webb are really the bright spots. I mean, you know, the new bright spots on offensive new line. Spots, right. Yeah, and exactly. I, I had somebody that attends practice tell me that Salyer had to jump in with against the ones – for just a little while to relieve Wilson. He ran off to do something, get stretched. It wasn't anything important, but so there was zero drop off. Yeah. Oh, wow. How awesome is that? So he saw no noticeable change when Salyer was in, was going against the ones than when Isaiah was going against the ones. And that's not a knock on Isaiah Wilson. Mm. Salyer. I mean- Go ahead. Oh, I'm just excited. I'm just thinking oh, in Cleveland. I can't even think of all the – we have so many damn talented, awesome offensive line starters. It's hard. You need a crib sheet just to keep track of it, right? I remember when we were like, man, well, we got four maybe good starters, but, man, we got nobody behind. I mean, you got Thomas, I, Andrew Thomas, Isaiah William, Kenley, Cade Mays, Ben Cleveland, Trey Hill. It's crazy, dude. It's just crazy. There were there's times under CMR that I would have given a pinky or a middle toe or something for our second team O line. Yeah, I know, right? There's I know, time, man. Yeah, there's been times when I've thought, "Holy crap! If we lose somebody, we're gonna have to put a tight end at tackle." Yeah, I know. I mean, go back. Oh, you go all the way back to the Neil Calloway days. That was, I think, pretty much the 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 height of the of the uh, dysfunctionality in our offensive line. We went years, you know, entire recruiting cycles picking up one or two maybe offensive linemen, three and four star guys, right? And now when you look at our running backs, you know, thinking back to the great days of. the good old days with the uh, old dog, you know, pre-Jamie. Old dog used to say, you know, a a great running back can make a decent offensive line look better. But a great offensive line can make a good running back into a Heisman candidate, right? I mean, how excited should Swift and Harrion and White be about their prospects for running lanes and uh, and yardage production this year. Uh, they 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 got to be beside themselves seeing these guys work. I'm, think about this, Coley. We'll get to Coley in a minute, but the way this O line is orchestrated, if we don't go out and throw the ball five, six, seven, eight, maybe ten more times per game, if we run an offense that's about the same balance as the last few years. Right. I, I and, and I'm not predicting this to happen, but I would not be blown away to say, wow, Derek, we finished this season with three thousand yard rushers. 
Come on, man. I know you're right. You're totally right, man. I mean, we can't have one get 15 or 16, but if we if they're all around 1,000, 1,100, 1,200, I mean, you got one guy just barely over 1,000, one pushing 1,100, and then maybe Swift with 1,200 yards, that's not impossible. Not impossible whatsoever. It, it's, it's impossible at every other school outside of Athens, Georgia. Yeah, I know, right? And it starts with Sam Pittman and this offensive line. Not to mention how good and excited Fromm's got to be about the protection packages and the time to throw, right? I mean, his throwing lanes, everything about it, man. I'm telling you, Sam Pittman, don't let anybody tell you different. Sam Pittman is the secret sauce. He is the magic behind this whole damn operation. Because offensive line begets time possession. Time possession begets defensive rest. Defensive rest begets havoc rate. That's the cool thing everybody's talking about now. we got to talk about havoc rate. But, yeah, it all starts with moving the ball, protecting the ball, protecting the backs, protecting the quarterback. Yeah, and they can do all that. And if two of them go down or need a breather, we've got more. It's it's just incredible of the things that we can do. I mean, our O line is like a Swiss Army knife now. I mean, we can we can just open it up in so many directions because they're not just big bodies that are out there with concrete cleats on, just pushing people out of the way. These guys are athletes. They're nasty. They're athletes. They're, they're, I mean, they're killing it in the weight room. It's not like they're just big, fat guys. These guys take their shirt. I don't. I wouldn't take my shirt off at the beach beside our O line. I mean, <laughs> I know, right? I mean, these guys are jacked. Oh gosh, I'm so excited, man. So let's talk about. So what can James Coley do with that? You know, I mean, the focus all spring, so far at least, has been on these short yardage plays, right? Which, hey, let's face it. That's something we need to work on, right? Absolutely, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's on the field himself, working with everybody, the passing game, the running game, and these short yardage situations, because I'm pretty sure we went like, we we gained like a combined six inches on about, I don't know, 62 plays. Yeah, exactly. Inside the 20, yeah, inside the five. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't even want to think about that. That was, in my opinion, the most frustrating part of last season. It was more frustrating than not making the college football playoff. It was our inability. Think about the Florida game. Think about the times we got, oh, gosh, when I think about our effectiveness inside the five-yard line in Florida, that – um. That still pisses me off, right? Oh, I mean, it's a lot to be mad about. I mean, we won the game, so I, 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 I'm a Gator hater, so I don't care how we have to do it. But, no, there's nothing I, – I, I just can't get excited about leaving all those points inside the five-yard line. But, like we're saying, Coley's – he's got boots on the ground. He is working with – the offensive line. He's down there with the line. He'll split out with the tight ends, with the guards, with the tackles. He's creating ways to make us successful in those situations where based on, I don't know, pant size, it's safe to say that Jim Chaney never got boots on the ground. <laughs> well, he I wasn't mean, very personally involved in the development on the field with the offense. No, he was not. I mean, and I think 
Jim Chaney's a super smart guy. I mean, to, I love to listen to him talk about football. One of my favorite interviews. I mean, he's got a great personality. He knows a ton about college football. But like you said, how involved was he? And how? And not only how involved was he, but how involved did he get his offense? Those guys, were they involved with him? So when he spoke in these meetings, did they buy into all of that? I just don't know. What I do know is I don't think there's a single soul on the offensive side of the ball that's upset that James Cooley is the OC. Well, when you look at the way Kirby coaches, right, he's super hands-on, super involved on the field. And then you look at Coley and Lanning now. We're getting closer, I think. Not that Cheney was a bad thing or anything. I'm not picking on Cheney, but this new regime you know, we have a new offensive coordinator, a new defense coordinator, and both these guys are young, active, literally hands-on coaches, right? These guys are mixing it up on the field in a personal and uh, passionate sort of way. Right. I think, did you hear what Ledbetter said sometime around the combine about the difference between Tucker and Lanning? No, tell me. And don't – this is going to be as poor of a paraphrase ever because this is not in my show notes. It just went there, so I'm straight off the top of my head. He basically said that there were times last season that Kirby really wanted to dial up the pressure. Tucker wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. He went on to say, you don't have to worry about that with Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning's bringing the heat. He brings it when he coaches and when he calls game. I mean, he, well, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of bringing the heat and all that. And I know that havoc rate is a thing and all that stuff. But I'm telling you, I mean, and when it works, it's awesome. Right. But don't forget that our defense was very respected and highly rated in the don't give up big plays category. Right. I think we sacrifice some of that havoc rate. And some of that pressure upfield to get more bodies on our side of the line of scrimmage and limit that big play, right? So, you know, insofar as it, you know, it's cool and sexy and people want more havoc and pressure, but I'll tell you, I don't want to see that at the expense of us giving up big plays if we don't make it. No, no, no. You send those two ends, you do a twist, and then you get gapped on a damn tunnel screen or something for 45 yards. That'll let upfield pressure and havoc's not nearly as sexy. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we. that's quite what he meant there. I, I, I think that, I mean, if you look at the amount of times we affected the quarterback last year, I'd say we were probably in the back portion of – all of, oh, of every Power 5 school. Ranked 100? Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, no I, doubt. I don't think that we have to sell out to touch the quarterback. We just have to get – they have to respect the fact that we can get back there because they didn't – nobody did that last year. I mean, we played defense great in a lot of areas, but there wasn't a, a, a coaching staff on Friday night saying, holy crap, man, I don't know how we're going to keep our quarterback off the ground. Right, well, and you can get that kind of pressure. If Lanning wants to dial that up with four down linemen, I'm cool with that, right? But I, I don't want to sell out and give up the big play. 
and I think I I think we'll see four down linemen. I mean, I mean, our base D is a three four, but mm-hmm. I mean, we don't we're not in our we're not ever in what we consider our base D to me is our nickel and dime package because we run so many heavy DB packages simply because everybody wants to to throw the ball. There's always three wide receivers on the field, so but. We've got personnel now. Last year, I don't, I don't, I just don't think we had the personnel to go with what Kirby wanted to do as bad as he wanted to do it. Another year, and not to mention some players. I mean, you got kids coming in right now that are equipped to get after the quarterback. Well, let's talk about that because you know one of the things Kirby has said this spring is that uh, you know. He's talking about how inexperienced. You got to think. Last year we had DeAndre Baker and J.R. Reed. Two out of our four guys were DeAndre Baker and J.R. Reed, and still Kirby's like, well, you know, we were a little inexperienced last year, and so now we got J.R. Reed back there as the signal caller in the backfield, and we got guys like Otis Reese and Divion Wilson, those kind of guys, right? So. What do you think about our defensive back and our qualifications? What do you think about our depth at DB this year? Do you think we're going to be better or worse in the post-DeAndre Baker world Ah, as a staff? As a whole, we're better next year than we were this year. Okay. Are we? Do we have a singular player that is dynamic as, as Dre Baker was for us last year? I mean, that might be very hard to do. It could be impossible, but again, I'm not predicting this, but if you look at Eric Stokes' numbers from the time he started starting, his numbers weren't far off from Baker's. Uh, you can't think of too many plays where Stokes gave up anything. Well, that's true. At apples to apples, where they were in their career, I think you're right about that. I, I like what you're saying there. No doubt about that. Um he needs to keep getting better, though, right? He needs to get a little bigger, a little faster, play with a little more purpose. What- yeah, he he needs to he needs. Well, he'll play with. I think that purpose comes with being getting comfortable out there. That field that field becoming yours instead of going out there and you're still a little timid. I mean, you just won the starting job at the University of Georgia. I mean, you're not out there relaxed. I mean, you feel like you've got another dog chomping on your heels trying to get your spot. For sure, Baker didn't have that fear. He knew he was the man, and right. he went out there right. every Saturday and proved it. Stokes, I think, I think Stokes has that talent in him, and if he, if he can be eighty percent of what Baker was, we're gonna be light years ahead of where we were last year, just simply because of depth. We got guys competing at that position that we didn't have in years past. And the guys that were already there have experience. I truly think that we're going to see either a Richard LeCount that is out of this world or an Otis Reese that's getting a lot of playing time. Right. I'll tell you, Richard LeCount needs to be out of the world. He needs to be out of this world this year. Or, like you said, he might be out of this game. You know, um, He needs to be the player we want him to be this year, you know? Because Otis Reese is a baller, dude. Otis Reese is a damn ball player. Um, 
Let's switch gears for a second. What do you think about? I mean, I guess we got to talk about if I'm if I'm going to talk about receivers, we got to talk about damn arrest warrants. So we got to talk about the ghost of Jimmy Williamson for just a second. Ooh. Hell, Jaden Hunter. We got like I don't know felony moped charges, and we got Tyler Simmons and Tyreek Tyreek Stevenson, a damn early enrollee. God Almighty, an early enrollee getting in trouble downtown. I don't know if that's just totally understandable because the kid's new to Athens or totally unbelievable because, holy shit, he just got there. You know, downtown Athens could be the death of us. It's awesome. I love it. Dude, I was there last weekend. I was rooftop at Georgia Bar. I mean, Georgia Theater. That is a sweet little bar. There's so many damn cool places downtown to eat and drink and get in trouble. It's Exactly. Even funny. Imagine being a superstar Georgia Bulldog football player. There's nothing in Athens, Georgia that's more important than a Georgia Bulldog football player. Yes. And a five-star, four-star recruit or or incoming freshman at that. I mean, you're King Dingling. You're on campus, and you're like, (laughs) everybody wants to know you. Even the people that don't want to know you for good reasons. I mean, Yeah, people that wish you ill. Right, because when you walk in, every girl in in the bar turns her head, and they whisper, hey, isn't that, isn't that... They don't know. They want to know. And the guys that they were talking to last night are pissed. Yeah. Yeah, that's a real thing, dude. And how about Tyler Simmons? God almighty, our senior, man. And I'll tell you, this brings me to this thing about leadership. You know, Kirby's always talking about leadership and how leadership, got to have more leadership. We need senior leadership. We, You know, you can't. I'll tell you, Kirby is right when he says you can't fake that shit you can't invent it you can't uh manufacture it and you can't fake it well i'm gonna throw a curveball kirby's like man we're always worried about leadership right so where are we at give me the curveball i'm gonna throw a curveball look these kids didn't go to this bar together okay yeah they happened to be there at the same time yes leadership Is having your brother's back. Yeah. I mean, let's just say Tyreek got in a situation that was no fault of his own. Okay? Yeah. He just magically gets over his head real quick. He gets over his head. Right. Maybe it's, it's the amount of people, the size of people, or whatever the case, he's over his head real quick. But guess what? Sitting in the same place is one of your seniors here to save the day. He didn't let his teammate get worked over by some idiot in a bar that's mad that Georgia football players are probably the coolest things that's ever walked the face of the earth. Yeah, there's no doubt. So, I mean, maybe maybe you're right. I'm not against you, man, but I'm telling you, golly, we can't. I don't want to get started on this damn. I no, don't either. We had a day last week, Jamie. We had more damn arrests than we had had practices. Yeah, but but to be fair, look what they're getting arrested for. I know, felony moped and shit. Yeah, I mean, he was, I mean, he drove a moped on the sidewalk. Whatever it was he was doing, I mean, take him to jail. And somebody, 
can't remember who said it. Like, don't blame this on the Athens police and this, that, and the other. They don't target football players. That's a damn lie. That is a damn lie. <laughs> and always has been, right? Damn you, Jimmy Williamson. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm looking for – I still am – I'm looking for this thing to gel, right? I'm looking for the senior leadership to gel. That would be fantastic, right? You know what? Maybe gelling is having somebody's back off the field to the point where you're willing to go to jail. Hope you're right. If you're you're willing to go to jail off the field, where are you going to go on the field where there's nothing you can get in trouble for? Oh, there's no doubt. Tyreek, he's a damn Tyler (laughs) Simmons fan now. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping you're right, man. I and, really am. And I'm not trying to make it spin it like it's no big deal. It's a big deal. We don't need guys going to jail, but it's different. I mean, it's simply different than what it used to be, than than pot brownies and all the other things that we, guns and everything else we've encountered. I mean, I hate to mention, you know, someone's selling a, a jersey or something. Not that that's the worst oh, thing. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, God, we can't have anybody making money, right? That would be bad. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, but- I, I'm just not as blo- – I'm just not as pissed off about these arrests as – Isaiah Crowell stuffing a pistol <laughs> with damn filed off serial numbers and shit under his seat, right? That that right, felt man. worse, right? Far worse. So, let's talk. Um, I mean, I don't know. What other notes you got, man? That's oh, you want to talk about Stetson Bennett? I love talking about Stetson Bennett. You want to talk about Dewan? Hey, let's I talk about talk, Dewan. Let's talk about our quarterback situation because you know, all of a sudden, you know, we hear that guy that used to wear number one that's about all i'm gonna give him was transferring out and we don't have a we've got jake from and who and who? yeah stetson bennett 104 pounds soaking wet but he, but, but he comes ass. back exactly i mean he's a baller everybody he, loves him he is a he is a player favorite he, I know. he he's that kid that runs in the pile, comes out bleeding and smiling at the same time. I mean, he's got he's all heart, and we need somebody that's all heart. And then you get a kid. I mean, it's like a trade with QB number. Well, he's not QB one, but his number was one. Goes to Ohio. His State. number was one. <laughs> yeah, his yeah. number and was we, one. And we take a kid from him. We take a kid yeah. from Ohio State. We, we take Dwan Mathis, who everybody says, you know, he's a project. I mean, he's six foot six. He he's just not ready for pro style offense just yet. But there's some upside. And from what I hear, I mean, yeah, he's showing that he's a freshman. He's got some errant passes here and there. But they also say, you know what, this kid came to compete. He's out there early, he's staying late, and he not only does he make a mistake here and there, but the kid's got an arm, he's got some legs, and, and he's picking it up. So, I mean, this kid's he's on his way to being a baller. I tell you, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you say he's a project, but he's got the he apparently has got the damn arm talent. I mean, I mean, he he could, he's making throws, right? He's just got to learn the playbook and stuff, man. But there ain't nothing wrong with having Stetson Bennett the fourth and Dewan Mathis 
duking it out for this number two spot, right? That there ain't nothing wrong with that. It's fantastic. Heck no, it's I, I'm excited to have two guys back there that are both pretty damn competent. Yeah, and, and what I love about Mathis, and we've probably already said this, but I might say it every day for the rest of this season, when they interviewed him and his father prior to him getting on campus, they said, you know what, Kirby told us, this is Jake Fromm's team. Jake Fromm can teach him a lot. If he comes in to learn and he's willing to learn, he's going to learn a lot. And those and those guys, you're like, yeah, that's what we want to do. We want exactly. to come in. We're not trying to lasso Jake Fromm who – you know, took Alabama back to back years and put them on the ropes. We're not, <laughs> yeah, right. There, Mathis is here for the right reasons, and for that, I mean, I hope with all of me that this kid wins the Heisman and several national championships. That would be fantastic. How badass would that be? Oh, that's that as badass as it gets. <laughs> Well, guys, spring break, I mean, spring practice underway. G-Day game, April 20th, keeping the Masters where it should be, on a pedestal, right? We can't compete with the Masters. We can't compete with Easter weekend, but not with the Masters, right? Um, We were joking around this past weekend, what's more important, you know, Easter or the Masters? I don't know. It's uh, up in the air for the state of Georgia, apparently, but hey. For me, it's G-Day. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So um, let's talk about let's talk about the damn good dog. Let's talk about Marcus Davis for a let's second. Let's talk about my guy Marcus Davis. Let's do that. We lost Marcus this week unexpectedly. Unfortunately, Marcus, we think had a heart attack while working a couple mornings ago. Marcus, Marcus was as good a person as you'll ever meet. If you if you've known if you know Marcus, be it from meeting him in Athens or if it's just online, you knew right away that you were dealing with an A plus human being. Marcus left us, but he leaves behind a wife and ten year old son. So what I want to do today is just let everybody know that's I've had I can't tell you how many people have asked me how I can help so let me put that out there first and then on Twitter we'll post a list and on Facebook we'll post a list so if you don't write it down on the show we'll have it online where you can see it but there are several ways and more ways coming that you can help the family you can make donations straight to the Marcus Davis Fund at the Bank of Monticello. You can send checks to P.O. Box 29, Monticello, Georgia, 31064. It goes straight to the bank to a fund that's legitimate. If you want to do it online through your bank, you can do an online transfer. The account number is 113 they also have PayPal and Venmo set up, so you can send it direct. Not trying to do the GoFundMe and split the money three or four different ways. This family, we're, we're trying to help them directly. We're not trying to line the pockets of some corporation somewhere. So if you want to send something via an app, via an app, you can use Venmo at adavis80, A-D-A-V-I-S 80, or PayPal 
to the email address beachlife, the number four, ever at live.com. Beachlife, the number four, ever at live.com. Also, there are several people that's going to be making some shirts. I, obviously, if you're following along on Twitter, you'll see Marcus's last tweet the night before he left us was, we're going to curb stomp everyone this year. Hashtag go dogs. I feel it. So since Marcus passed, we've been using the hashtag curb stomp. K-I-R-B-S-T-O-M-P. So several people are, are, are making t-shirts with 100% of the proceeds going to Amanda and his son. Right now, the only ones that I know of for a fact that are in production, Chance from the 76.com, that's T-H-E-S-E-V-E-N-S-I-X.com. He has those live. Um, it's a nice gray shirt with hashtag curb stomp on it. I, in fact, I ordered five of them this morning. Um, yeah, they're cool t-shirts actually. Yeah, they I look put a good. picture. I put a picture of one on the Instagram feed today as well. And guys, you can search that hashtag curb stomp on Twitter. If you don't have any idea what we're talking about right now, uh, Marcus was a great dog fan, a friend of the Bulldogs, a avid bulldog fan listener to the show he did he was just a great guy 34 years old with a wife and kids had his own business was doing great and then all of a sudden he goes to work one day and the next day he is not here yeah it's pretty awful story it's horrible and you know it's never never a good situation when someone leaves this but that age the type of person he was, to know Marcus was to love Marcus, period, the end. Look, I lost my mother in 2016, and this is, and I had a relationship with her that was out of this world. But I think I've shed more tears over Marcus leaving than my mom. It's the sudden, unexpected that has a lot to do with it. And when I tell you that Marcus was as good a person as you'll ever meet i mean that i mean was he the best in the world no but if you put all the best in the world in a pile marcus would be right there i mean because i hadn't met everybody in the world they don't get any better or they're more just like them probably so but they don't get no better than marcus and for that i'm gonna go as far as i can go to make sure this family's taken care of and guys, they would appreciate the support. We're not doing anything here. We're giving you guys the links to send money directly to the family. And uh, we're going to have all that stuff on Twitter. Jamie will have it on Facebook. And uh, I'll put some of that stuff in the show notes as well that you can see at dogcast.com. And uh, that stuff just goes straight to them, right? So just think about it. Do the right thing. These guys are pretty awesome, and they really need your help right now. Absolutely, and as as things come about, there's more shirts. Miss Holloman, JJ Holloman's mom. I I want to say I'm, I'm I'm in fact I'm waiting on her to get back with me right now. Um, she's gonna do a shirt. A good friend of mine, a good friend of Marcus's, Jamie Rice. I know he has shirts in production. They're not they're not ready yet. Again, like I said, this is this is there's nobody here trying to do anything except help this family. One hundred percent. 
goes to the family. Pick the one you like best and, and go that route or send a dollar to whatever it is you have. And if you don't have anything, that's okay too. You know, keep this family in your thoughts, your prayers. And, and you, I don't know. I'm, it's been a long week and I'm a little lost for words and that don't happen often. <laughs> so I'll tell you one other thing we're going to do, guys. So we're going to do a show. We're doing this show right now, and then we'll do another show in about a week. I think next Friday we're going to try to do the next show where we start getting close to the wrapping up the end of spring ball. And uh, one thing we can do is uh, in a, we're in a unique position here at the DogCast. We're going to just open the phone lines, right, 706-363-0210. If you guys – uh, those of you who knew Marcus, met him at tailgates, hung out with him at games and stuff, follow him on Twitter. You know his online presence was was huge, as as large as he was in real life. And uh, if you guys have something you want to say to the family, we're trying to put together a little thing here, just for posterity, right? Put it out there into the world, something that his son can listen to on his 16th birthday, right? Or his 21st birthday or something like that, you know? So if you guys have any thoughts, any uh, memories or cool things to say about this Marcus Davis uh, tragedy, you guys are welcome to call. I'm going to try to curate those and put them in order and get them into the end. I don't know if we'll do a special show just for it or or how we're going to do that yet, but we just want to get that stuff on the record, and uh, somehow we're going to get it to Amanda and uh, the family, right? And also put it out there in the world as well for you guys. But uh, So help us out. Give us a call if you have any uh, Marcus Davis memories or, or thoughts or anything that you want to put out there for him and his family uh, it's 706-363-0210 and Jamie yes. we're going to wrap it up we're yep. going to wrap it up guys thanks for listening we appreciate you guys listening it has been a long week but spring ball is still going G-Day game coming up on April 20th and uh, we appreciate you guys listening Give us a call. Email us at dogcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at Dogcast, Instagram, Dogcast. We are everywhere. We're covering Georgia football like the dew in the south. So thanks for listening, guys. Go dogs. Dude, are you just pulling slugs off of a bottle of bourbon? Yeah, it was. You're just damn drinking. Just yeah. straight damn yeah. drinking right, right now. I am. I mean, I'll be honest with you. This is this and look, I'm not typically I, I don't get upset about anything. This week has it hit me like right in the face. So yeah, I'm I'm taking slugs right off the bottle as we talk. <laughs> Well, listen, <laughs> it's just funny. I can hear, like, the sound effect in the background. I was trying That's to cover up the microphone. Effect. That's actual bourbon. But <laughs> My fault. I was trying to cover it up. You know, I'm, I'm a shitty co-host today, but hey. Oh, it's all good, dude. It's all good. Hey.